The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot, a special bonus Friday episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined by my co-host in the city of brotherly love in a monochromatic red polo that you guys can't see, but it looks amazing. It might actually be cherry, to be honest. It's cherry. Shout out to the Temple Owls. Smalls, how are you today? You know, Tyler, I'm doing great. I mean, we've got the NBA Finals on tonight. I'm ready to see what the Warriors can do without Clay and Durant. Well, it's, uh, it's actually Friday, so the NBA Finals are Wednesday night. Well, yeah, Wednesday night. Did you not say we're recording on a Wednesday? Bad introduction by you. No blame to me, per usual. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up for the game tonight. I'm excited to see some good coaching and talk about some coaching as well during this episode. Yeah, so we no episode from us this past Tuesday. We'll be back with normal interviews on this coming Tuesday. We got a lot of good feedback on the Juwan Howard episode, so Smalls and I are going to, from time to time, uh, do some weeks where it's just the two of us and have some Friday episodes. Also kicking around doing a summer series where we have uh, return guests on on Friday mornings to talk about kind of what they've been doing since they were on the show, if they've moved jobs, because Smalls, we have a ton of guests who have moved jobs, gotten jobs at higher levels, moved up in, in their certain like positions or whatever, and it's been awesome to see. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's it's definitely the create your shot bump. That's the only reason they're getting jobs. You got to think athletic directors are tuning in. They're listening to create your shot. They're saying, these guys are fabulous. I wish I could hire these coasts, but I guess I'll settle for the guests. And uh, that seems to be what's happening because everyone's moving up the food chain. Everyone's doing a great job. It seems like people are having the best seasons ever. So hit us up if you want to be on the show. If you want to have a winning season, hit us up. You know what I mean? Just some guys. Obviously, Quentin Farrell uh, makes the jump from CFC to the head coach of Presbyterian. Bobby Jordan, uh, one of the first guests ever on the show, uh, goes from IMG up to Wagner. Jimmy Fennerty, I think the second guest all time, goes from Lafayette to Temple. John Linehan, we talked about early guest, goes from Hartford to Georgia. Luke Yaklich just announced going to be the associate head coach at Texas, down with Shaka Smart. Justin Scott goes from... Arcadia to St. Joe's, so they're going to lose to Temple for the next five years of his career, but that's tough for Justin. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, a couple interviews with the Memphis Grizzlies, so not going to tip our hand at anything yet. We don't know if he got that job, but, you know, basically came on the show and maybe got an NBA head coaching job. Sean Rotigliano goes from Lipscomb to Belmont. Teddy Rawlings goes from George Mason to On the Road at Texas A&M Commerce. Joey Gallo, we're going to take credit for this one, Smalls. Yeah, we, we made it happen. I think we pushed it over the edge getting Merrimack to Division One. Right. Merrimack goes from the NE10 to the NEC. I mean, that was – I mean, that's some of our best work. So yeah. enjoy that TV deal up in Andover, Massachusetts. But, uh, you know, I, I would say it's not Andover, Mass. That's just where Joey lives. But 
I would say that it's been a good year for people that have been on Create Your Shot. So I, you know, like Small said, anyone who wants to, you know, get promoted or make more money, just reach out to us and we'll get you on the show. Now, but it has been pretty cool to see, uh, you know, there's always movement and always turnover. More of it seems to be bad being that you think about people getting fired and that that really stinks. But to see a lot of our guests who, you know, we've been able to create, you know, whether it be small relationships or big relationships with these individuals, um, we've seen them move up and we're excited and happy for them. We hope continued success. I'm sure as we get more and more guests on, we will see it go the other way, but I'm staying positive and hopefully what is, everyone what does that keeps mean? their job. Less success? Well, there's no. there's a there's a law of averages. You know, once we get like all five hundred coaches on the NCA, we're gonna have a lot of uh, a lot of issues on our hand. We're not gonna really have the CYS bump. So we gotta we gotta promote it while it's hot and what's hot is right now. That's for sure. The other thing, too, Smalls actually was in town this past weekend, uh, get, got to kind of enjoy Nashville. We had a bachelor party for Coach Ryan Nemitz, and it was – Former guest. I got, to, I got to sleep in my own bed. That was quite comfortable. I don't know where, I don't know where Smalls slept the three nights he was in town. But I, I just want to hear as an outsider before we kind of get into Nick Nurse running box and ones and stuff like that, what did you think of Nashville? This is the first, this is the first time you've been since the NCAA tournament in 2012, right? Yeah, and I pretty much only went to Tin Roof when I was there. Uh, That's all right. This year, you only, tournament. this year you only went to Jason Alvin's <laughs> bar. So, Well, I'll tell you what. Nashville is an elite weekend city. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of talent down there. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people, different people you can meet. Uh, some cool bars. I love, here's what I love about Nashville. Every bar that you go into or every venue, we seem to hit the roofs and the roof decks quite often. You have live music on every floor. feels like every building to get to the roof deck. I had to walk nine stairs of floors and every floor had different live bands, live music. And it was really popping, which was awesome. Um, food wise, you know, uh, I don't know if we hit all the best spots, and maybe that's more my fault. But I did like Bolton's, right? Bolton's hot chicken. It was pretty spicy. I'm not a huge hot chicken guy, but I thought it was good. You don't, you don't like the uh, idea of hot chicken was what yeah. you told me. Yeah, the, I've li- I'm more of like a sauce guy. The, you're just peppering and putting this dry, this dry piece of meat in my mouth, and it's you know, it's good, but like, it's just a dry piece of meat. I need like <laughs> hot sauce. I need that thing flipped over and you know, I need it tasting good. And then I pretty much had McDonald's at 3am. They have those everywhere. And it was, uh, it was a tremendous weekend though. I, I took you to Martin's barbecue as well, which is oh, a Martin's good, Martin's. Good I forgot about Martin. Martin's was elite. Yeah, that's a good spot. That was that's elite. A, that's a very, what'd you get? Oh, you got the whole hog uh, plate, right? They basically gave you a pound of, of pork and you dominated it as one would expect. Yeah, no sandwich. Do you get any veggies this weekend, Smalls? Do you eat any greens? Hmm. God, that's a. I mean, guacamole for sure. (laughs) There was some guacamole, and then we had salsa, which had some green stuff in with tomatoes. It was was pico. That was like tomatoes, maybe a little cilantro. That was good. And there was probably some veggies mixed in somewhere. Maybe I had corn. You got a lot of citrus to make sure your immune system (laughs) was up to date. I'll say that. I had a lot of lemons. I'll tell you that much. But a good, a good time, a good time. And now, uh, you know, vacation's over, you're back. Probably the most unbelievable set of Sunday scaries you've ever had on Sunday night, I would imagine. 
Man, I think this comes second to coming back from Vegas. Uh, your your bachelor party. That was uh, – I had to take the next day off from work <laughs> just to lay in bed and to uh, turn the lights out. This I was fine by Monday, but ooh, Vegas was scary for sure. I want to know from your perspective as a local hitting the town. Now, you, you aren't like going out every weekend hitting it like we hit it. What did you think of the weekend vibes? Uh, that was the first time I think since I've moved here that I've I've kind of like done Nashville like a tourist and and I didn't stay out nearly as late as you guys felt like it was kind of disrespectful to the wife to uh, roll back in at like you know bars close at three a.m. I thought it was like pretty disrespectful to roll back in at like three a.m. every night. So I think Thursday I I left at like ten thirty. Friday definitely left at like one or two. Got home late. Then Saturday I mean we I met you guys down there at like one or two o'clock and I mean we you guys were going strong when I left at eleven so. But it was fun. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good time. I'll tell you what. If I flew into town and had no responsibilities, like I could see why people keep coming back and why people tell me, like, "Oh man, Nashville's great." Because I don't really go to Broadway unless people are in town. I always have a good time when I'm there. But it's not like I, you know, I call Beth and I'm like, "Hey, it's Friday night, honey. Like, let's go on a little date night and uh, maybe go to Tootsie's Roof Deck." That's not really. It's not really something that happens. Let me tell you, I would be absolutely a degenerate if i lived down there i'd be going to the roof decks thursday through sunday no doubt it would trickle all the way into monday tuesday wednesday i'd just be a roof deck party or probably get a bar job not really a bar job i'd be a hyper uh for the bands on each floor so i get my exercise too well that's the one thing they don't really have that it's not like a lot of hype guys you could be like the tip bucket guy you could carry the- here's some you know the theme of this podcast is called creating your own shot here, Tyler. And I'd be creating my shot. I'd create a job there and I'd have a good time. That's good. Let's, uh, let's talk about one other thing real quick. So we talked about Juwan Howard a little bit last week. So our uh, Philly legend, Phil Martelli going to go join his staff. I'm not sure if his title is going to be associate head coach or whatever, but I, I would imagine that's sort of what he's going to be. We've heard it's going to be Howard Isley and then uh, Saudi Washington's going to stay on. What do you think about that smalls? Like Phil, you know, a guy that's been a head coach since, what, 1994? And, I mean, he was an assistant for 10 years at St. Joe's before that. We talked about it a little bit with Phil Jr. about how long Phil waited his turn. But, you know, he's 64 years old. You know, what are your thoughts on on that? And, and for Juwan Howard, like, going out and getting a guy like Phil Martelli? Yeah, I think, we, I think we talked about it last before it even happened that it would be good for Juwan Howard to go out and – you know, hire somebody who's been a head coach, uh, you know, for a long time, that's really going to help his transition. It's going to help him. You know, we talk, remember Indiana, when Bruiser Link got that job at Indiana, uh, that's huge because now you have this guy who can really help you, especially Juwan Howard coming from the NBA, uh, assimilate to college, make sure you're doing everything right in terms of alumni, administrative, organizationally and you can focus on the basketball as long as you have those two other spots filled with recruiters you get some good ops guys and so on that can be support staff but I think it's a great hire especially Phil I mean you heard the interviews like on TV at least locally in Philly talked about his burning desire to keep coaching this keeps him in the game you can't at 64 years old spend a year out in my opinion this keeps him in the game. I anticipate him getting a head coaching job uh, next year for, you know, a job that might open, that might be available uh, locally in the Pennsylvania area. Yeah, we've talked about that before, that jobs tend to open in regions like kind of cyclically. And this this year was the South. And it seems like next year, 
the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, there's a chance that a number of jobs that Phil may have his eye on will open. I, I thought I was pretty impressed with how he came off. I also was really impressed because one of the things that I was told was that Juwan Howard did a lot of work and like really vetted different guys to decide because it's, there was no relationship between the two of them. We were sort of speculating like, hey, like, what's the relationship between Phil? Like, did, you know, did Jameer play with Juwan Howard? Did they cross paths? Like, did Juwan coach Jameer? You know what I mean? Like, we were talking about that off the air. And I mean, it sounds like the only thing we really knew is that Phil and Gino Ariema are very close, which is something that's pretty common knowledge. And Ward Manuel was the AD at Connecticut, and now he's the AD at Michigan. And so that it sounds like Phil at least talked to Gino, and Gino talked to Ward Manuel. And so that was maybe after some guys had reached out to Juwan Howard, and he and Phil had started talking. So I'm very interested to see how this will go because it's not every day that you see a guy with like 400 plus wins, 500. I'm not sure how many wins Phil has. I'm a terrible journalist, but uh, you know, goes to a Big Ten and, and you know, really a flagship school in the Big Ten. Uproots his family. He's lived in uproots himself. He's lived in Philly forever. It's going to be a super interesting thing to me, Smalls. I'm very excited to watch how Michigan plays next year and kind of see how Phil does on the road this July and and in the future because obviously he's recruited for years. It should be old hat for him, but it's a different role. And, you know, as a 64-year-old guy to step back and be an assistant for the first time in 30 years, like, it's going to be super interesting. And he's saying all the right things, which I think is great. And listen, Michigan's a national, you know, program. It's a national school academically, athletically. You can go out and get people, but uh, one thing that Phil gives you a dynamic of is that close relationship, you know, to the Philadelphia, New Jersey, the Mid-Atlantic, all the way in the Northeast. That's something everyone knows who Phil Martelli is in the Northeast. And that could prove valuable in this year one to at least create those relationships. Even if Phil is just there for a year, Juwan Howard now has a link to get into the Northeast uh, circles. Even though Michigan's a national power and academic and all of that, this makes it a lot easier to enter and foster those relationships. So we can't forget about all of the benefits of having a guy like Phil Martelli, such a well-known name, uh, come on and join your staff. I totally agree with that. Uh, real quick before we get into Nick Nurse, I just want to remind everybody that as June rolls around and the NBA Finals are in full swing, as well as the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, there is a ton of excitement in sports and a ton of action, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that Smalls and I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code, you guys know it, it's podcast one, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, and that's for a 50% welcome bonus. Like we said, NBA Finals Games 4 coming up this weekend. That will be Golden State versus Toronto. If you've been living under a rock, I actually uh, fired a little bit of a few discs into the abyss on Clay Thompson at 23-1 to to win Finals MVP. So we'll see how that goes. Also, the Blues and the uh, Bruins Games 6 and 7. Those are also on there. Plus baseball, the Nats have won nine out of their last 11. The Phillies are falling off the face of the earth. Thanks a lot, Andrew McCutcheon. Get well soon, buddy. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code, PODCAST1, or you can text BETNOW, B-E-T-N-O-W, to 238-669 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Phillies won two straight, by the way, might I add. Jay Bruce is on fire, but... Yeah, my Phillies are struggling. You mentioned Andrew McCutcheon. I play at fantasy for the whole year, and I'm trying to replace Andrew McCutcheon in my lineup. But luckily, I also play daily fantasy baseball. America's pastime is back. The smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole into your pocket. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Contest bring you closer than ever to the game you love. 
Yahoo Daily Fantasy offers single-day and week-long contests so you can pick a new team every day. To get started, go to yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy and find a contest that's right for you. Try a 50-50 contest where the top 50% of lineups wins, or you can try Yahoo's innovative quick match feature where they'll pair you with another player of your skill level. You can play quick match for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You will keep 100% of your winnings or play for larger prizes and and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Yahoo Daily Fantasy also has the lowest management fees across the industry. Don't pay with the other sites that charge high fees just to play. Yahoo's lower fees means more prizes for you, the players, to win. Use promo code POD25 for $25 in free play when you make your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to start playing today. Well, you really powered through that one, Smalls. I, I mean, I, I, you know what I had? I had a, I had a little steak for dinner tonight. I, I seasoned that steak really nice with some Montreal Bay seasoning, and uh, it's getting caught in my throat here. But, yeah, I powered through it, and I dominated the pretty, ad game. Pretty embarrassing steak seasoning, not just using salt and pepper. Like I'm- I, di- I, do, I, did, I do use salt and pepper typically, but then I, I went ham. Here's what I'll say. One other thing before we start. Uh, Phil Martelli, if you want to come on the show, reach out to us. We are at Create Your Shot on Twitter, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, at uh, Create Your Shot on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. So, same, uh, Phil Martelli, senior. We've already had junior. So we will try to make that happen. I think that, that would be kind of fun if he would be interested in doing something like that, just to kind of talk about what he, you know, what he's worried about and what he's gone through in the last couple of weeks. I know he's done a ton of interviews, but maybe a little longer form stuff. Maybe we hit up our guy, Fran Dumphy, and see if he can't get that to happen. But anybody else, reach out to us, same deal. Like I always say, if you like what you hear, leave us five stars and uh, leave us a review. So Smalls, game two of the NBA Finals, five-ish minutes to go. Nick Nurse starts to play a box-and-one defense on Steph Curry. Don't can't tell you the last time I saw a box and one at the NBA level. Uh, I know that after the game, during the game, Jeff Van Gundy was like literally losing his mind, just like crowing about it. And then saying that Tim Floyd used to run a triangle in two. And then a bunch of Naismiths tweeted on, tweeted about how Jimmy Patsos tried to guard Steph Curry with two guys back when we were in college. And I'm just curious. I think Nick Nurse has been not necessarily, I won't say like the breakout star. He's an NBA head coach. So he's obviously very, very good, but I think before the playoffs, if you ranked the coaches, and, and we had this discussion, and, and Ryan Nemitz has been harping on us to do an episode like this, you know, I think you would have probably ranked Popovich first, and then you know some other tier of guys would have been maybe like Kerr, Doc Rivers. I really like Terry Stotts. Everybody loves Brad Stevens. I don't think Nick Nurse would have been in the top eight of the 16 teams that made the playoffs, and not just the box and one on the side, but I think he's been the best all-around coach thus far in the playoffs. And I do think like everyone's talking about Kawhi Leonard, but I think Nick Nurse – has been tremendous. And I think that's one of the main reasons Toronto is where they are. Cause I thought he really outcoached Mike Buttonholzer in the sec in the uh, Eastern conference finals. Yeah. I mean, you bring it up right there. <laughs> They're down 2 0 to Milwaukee. I mean, that's it. You're dead in the water, especially, you know, maybe you're going back to your home court. Maybe you win one game, you get a little momentum, right? You just can't lose. You, you can't, can't lose any game. Exactly. You got to coach perfect every game against a team that has taken your soul essentially in the first two games. There's no reason you should come back. So as a coach, you know, 
to be able to come out motive, not only motivate your team. And I know people say, Oh, you shouldn't be motivating. You're in the playoffs, the Eastern conference finals. Well, it creeps into your mind. And I'm sure as a player is like, are we going to be able to beat these guys? And Nick nurse got his guys ready to play. Uh, he's done. He did great things against the Sixers in, in their series. And he did, he's he proving and the, the whole box and one thing, you know, what a time to do it. And to really stymie the Warriors a little bit and kind of keep his team in the game. They just couldn't necessarily score, but I thought it was a great use. I wouldn't expect to see it ever again in this series, uh, but I'm sure he has some other things in his pocket defensively. And then with two players out, I'm sure they're game planning appropriately as well. I'd agree with you on Nick Nurse. One of the things I would say, too, with the box and one, obviously, it really kind of flummoxed Steph Curry. I do think the Warriors were very surprised to see it. It was obviously not something that they like had prepared for at all. But now, like you said, he may never use it again. And everyone will be calling for it like, oh, it worked perfectly. Curry had zero shots in the fourth quarter. But I think the reason that you, you you use it then and you throw it out is just to kind of see what it looks like. And a lot of coaches don't do stuff like that. I mean, you and I have had this argument and we've argued with our buddy Bart about it a lot with college football and NFL coaches. Like at some point you have to do something and not be worried about if you get called stupid, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. think now Golden State has to kind of, they have to at least spend some fraction of their preparation time on what if this gets thrown at us again. And so maybe – in the fourth quarter, maybe Nick Nurse shows it one time and it slows Golden State down on that possession. And then the next few possessions, they're a little bit slower trying to diagnose what goes on. And in a game that plays as fast as the NBA Finals does and the NBA does, obviously, you know, those are precious seconds, I think. So I thought that was perfect. Obviously, he switched Kawhi onto Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals and Mike Budenholzer refused to switch Giannis onto Kawhi for, the, for some reason. I don't know why, but thought he's been very good. I also think I've been very hard on Steve Kerr in the past. And I think just kind of dealing with all the egos and stuff in the regular season, he did a great job. But I think his rotations have been very good uh, in the playoffs. Like he, he went to the Iguodala lineup right away at the start of the playoffs against the Clippers, not to screw around. And then, you know, now he starts Jordan Bell in game one, doesn't work out. Jordan Bell's just really not proven himself to be a guy that's trustworthy. He starts DeMarcus Cousins in game two, and it ends up being one of the things that ultimately wins him, wins him the game is how good DeMarcus Cousins was. And I thought that was a great button to push and, and one that a lot of guys wouldn't do with a guy who might be out of shape, coming off injury, who hasn't really had a lot of time to assimilate himself in with this group. I was really impressed with Steve Kerr. Yeah, I think it's also, you know, kudos to Steve Kerr. Now he was kind of forced on his hand, but keeping Cousins in for so long and just, you know, him playing tired and everything like that. But he lost Looney, so I guess his hand was forced. Uh, but to go with DeMarcus Cousins is a huge move and a huge – like that it worked out. That gives DeMarcus Cousins all the confidence in the world the next game. So much confidence. I'd, I'd expect DeMarcus Cousins to have another big game tonight, and he needs to because without Clay Thompson and Durant – You've got it. You got to slow almost, and maybe the Warriors can't do this. Like they're they're a quick paced team and all that stuff, but you almost got to slow it down. You got to work the ball around. You got to get it inside. You got to work off Draymond a lot at the point um, in terms of him initiating the offense. I think that's going to be the thing to look out in this game, and that's what you know. I think will ultimately win the game tonight for the Warriors. 
Coming soon to Podcast One, the Gigi Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy. Log on to see the world behind the esports you love and find out what good game really means from the trio who's taken the business by storm, including the three-time NBA champion behind Team Echo Fox. Download new episodes of the Gigi Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Who are some other guys, in, in your opinion, like throughout the playoffs, who are some other guys you think ha- had done a pretty good job? Was there anything that you saw? We talk about college basketball and being a league where people steal things all the time. Did you did you see anything in the first couple rounds that you felt guys did well that you think is something we're going to see next year? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot, man. I mean, I, I want to talk about your guy, Terry Stotts, but you know a lot more about Terry Stotts than I do. But I think Terry Stotts, like, talk about bringing a team and elevating them to a level that, you know, a lot of people did not think they could get to. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers were extremely impressive. Uh, you know, being able to play that that two-guard lineup with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and be as effective as they did and reach to the point where they reached, I think Portland really overachieved this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought Stotts did a good job. I also thought he did a really good job. You know, one of the, he, he caught a lot of heat in game one of the Western Conference Finals of dropping on pick and rolls with Dre and Steph Curry, and obviously that's very stupid. Why would you drop on a pick and roll with a guy like Steph? And and part of the problem is their personnel just doesn't allow them to blitz pick and rolls and double a ton. Like Enos Cantor just doesn't guard pick and rolls, and they don't want to play smaller. They really can't. I kind of wanted to see what it looked like with like Aminu at the five, or is that you know, and Zach Collins just fouls so much. Or so like I thought maybe Evan Turner you could play as a small ball five and just kind of see a look. But I respected Terry Stotts for kind of coming out the next day with the media and explaining, like, hey, this is what the strategy was. Because I think a lot of times, like I said, coaches are just so worried and so concerned about, like, being laughed at. But the bottom line is if you win or lose games, like, that's how people judge you. So I respected Stotts for honestly talking about what their defensive game plan was and kind of going through some plays that did actually work because everyone just remembers, like, oh, Steph Curry had 37 points. Like, you're you're an idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. And so – I felt like Stotts did a good job. And he was a guy that I kind of circled at the beginning of the playoffs that was underrated as a head coach. Everybody loves, you know, like I said, everybody loves Brad Stevens. The Celtics underachieved a great deal this year. Some was because of him probably and, and managing egos. Some was because of their locker room, I'm sure. But I, I thought Stotts did a great job in the regular season. They won 53 games. They were the three seed in the West in a really tough, you know, conference. But I think a guy that has flown under the radar is a very good coach and, 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 coaches a team where Joseph Nurkic gets hurt and everyone kind of just writes him off. They get swept by the uh, Pelicans last year. And then he comes in and takes them to the Western Conference Finals. And then here's another thing, Smalls. They got swept, sure. They actually led all four games in each game. They were up 17 in three games in blue leads. And they actually led for more minutes in the series than Golden State did. So I would say, obviously, we don't feel like Portland is on that same level. And I still do think Houston is better than Portland. And I think Denver is probably better than Portland, but they're younger. So, you know, I, I would say I really do think Stotts was, to me, one of the guys who really raised his stock. And, you know, Portland's not letting them go anywhere. But a guy that I'm kind of interested to see how they run back their team because I do think Portland is maybe, you know, maybe they can make a play for Kevin Love. Maybe they do something for Blake Griffin. You know, maybe Gallinari is an expiring deal. And maybe L, the Clippers get rid of him to try to open up another max spot. And those are all three guys I think if you can figure out a way to make it work, if you pair them with McCollum and Lillard, like all of a sudden I think Portland is a really dangerous team in the West, especially if Golden State's going to kind of break up, which it looks like they're going to have to. Who do you think was the most disappointing coach in the playoffs? 
Um, obviously, anyone who loses, it's, you know, it's very disappointing, but I think we've had some uh, poor coaching jobs. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, I thought the Bucks were really disappointing. Like to me, they were the best team in the East all year. You know this, and some people who listen to my other show, the Underdog Sports NBA show, do also know this. But I had a I had a pretty nice futures ticket on the Bucks that I had placed at well before the All Star break, and then I had double. I had added more money to them later on, right right around the All Star break, when I was like, I think this team is very very good. So we had a vested interest in rooting for the Bucks, and. I was really disappointed that I just didn't think Bud made adjustments in the Eastern Conference Finals with the sense of urgency that I feel like you need to. I, I did feel like he thought Toronto, you know, they had a, in game three, they shot the ball so poorly. And I think uh. he watched the film and he was like, you know what, we're going to make these shots later on. And he never really realized like, okay, well, they're walling off Giannis. Kawhi's doing an amazing job. They're slowing the pace down. We're not able to kind of spread it out. We're getting nothing from Eric Bledsoe on the offensive side of the ball. Middleton is being forced to put the ball on the ground and he's not being able to do it. And I didn't think that he did a good job of recognizing some of the major leaks on offense. And I thought that was a killer. And I also will never understand like one play Giannis 48 minutes in a closeout game on the road Two, why isn't Giannis guarding Kawhi, at least in the fourth quarter. Like those were, those were a couple things that I thought he did very poorly. And it's not that I think he did a bad job. I just think he had too much faith in his guys and too much faith in his system. And whereas Nick nurse, I thought was like, you know, fuck it, we're going to go win this series. I thought Bud was like, we're going to do what we do, and that's going to win us the series. And I kind of thought he was a little passive. And so we did not win close to five figures. And not that the Bucs would have beaten the Warriors anyway, but maybe they would have. And, and like I said, I, I was, had followed the Bucs very closely all year, and I was, I was pretty disappointed in that. And then I, I also thought Quinn Snyder, I just think that Houston is a bad matchup for Utah, but I was pretty disappointed to see Utah not figure out a way to make Rudy Gobert a little bit more playable in the first round. And I know that Harden is, you know, in my opinion, one of the best two to three players in the NBA, but I thought Quinn Snyder didn't do a great job. I, I thought that they weren't prepared to play Houston. And so those two guys to me, Bud and Quinn Snyder, are two guys that I have a, a lot of faith in, and I thought they kind of came up a little short. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily coaching, but I was actually disappointed in Houston, the Houston Rockets. <clears throat> like, I, I, I get it. The 4-2, they gave the Warriors a game and two games there. But – to me, I just felt like there was a real golden opportunity for the Houston Rockets to make that leap and beat the Warriors, take them down. And I, again, I, maybe it's more the players, but I look at it from a coaching perspective of doing certain things to limit guys like Steph Curry. You're never going to stop them, but to prevent them from going off like they did and Duran and things like that. But to me, the Houston Rockets had the golden opportunity. This was it because now we see it. Their roster is going to get shooken up next year. Who, who knows if Houston's ever going to be Houston again. And maybe, you know, a lot of people are questioning, can you win when James Harden's kind of your number one guy? I think you can. I think it's just a matter of roster construction and different elements like that. But there's a lot of questions. James Harden had an opportunity to really solidify himself as the top top tier. And he's the one guy I thought that the playoffs mattered for the most. Like the if most. they find a way to beat the Warriors and, and he wins a title or the Rockets win a title, then his career is viewed. Oh, like I, I would say Smalls, I'm a guy who views James Harden as, in a very, very positive light all time without, you know, without the results that you really need. Like he hasn't, he's been to the finals with Oklahoma city, but obviously they lost to Miami, but he hasn't been to the finals as the best player. And I personally think James Harden is one of, you know, I don't know if he's one of the 25 best players all time quite yet. I do think he will finish there. I think he's a lot better than some guys 
from other eras who are considered to be top 20 to 15 players. I don't really want to get into it because I don't want to get torched online right now, but I was really hoping that they found a way to do it. I think the one thing the Rockets need is I think they need a bigger wing. Like they're not going to find a way to get Jimmy Butler, obviously, but I feel like that's the type of guy they need because when it's Harden, Chris Paul are the only guys that can make plays. When you put length on them and then nobody else can make plays, I think they really struggle down the stretch. And I think I that's think they need more consistency would be my thing at the wing. Uh, just, you know, I, I get it. PJ Tucker was like this, like energy guys and defensive guy and stuff, but you need a little, an elevation beyond that. And also an even more consistent guy, a guy that will put up points for you and give you that secondary scoring option. Chris Paul's just not a, to me, he's not legitimate secondary score. Well, he's just washed now, Like yeah, he's just old point. and that's, that's a big problem. So I don't know what they'll do. I think they're going to try to find a way to move, uh, Paul, I saw I saw like an interesting idea of like Kelly Olynyk and James Johnson for Chris Paul. I don't really think they'll do it though, because like I said, James Johnson doesn't really give you another wing score, and I think that's what you need more than anything, because you're probably not going to find a legitimate four man who can pass and make plays. So, you know, like I said, really interesting. The other thing I would say is with the Sixers, we talk about them a lot, but you know, they push the Raptors to seven. Kawhi makes a buzzer beater. I, I would I was really happy to see that the players came out in defense of Brett Brown. I know that Philly Smalls has always been a little bit hard on Brett Brown, but I do feel like this is a group that they should run back because it's very clear at this point when we're watching Toronto, like they're not that far away. And if they can figure out a way to kind of sign them back up big so they don't crater when Embiid comes off the floor and if maybe Ben Simmons can make a jump shot, like maybe, or they can get a backup point guard who can make a jump shot. Like I I think like they're only one or two like kind of additions away to winning a title or being in that conversation, which I did not think before this year, Smalls. And you know that I've been very hard on the Sixers. But I think they're close. I do. I'm not, and I'm not going to stick on Philly too long, uh, but I've been critical of the, I'm a Philly fan. I'm a diehard, but I've been critical of the reactions in Philly before. I think they're baseless. Uh, I think people are absolute idiots. We like, we like Brett Brown. I will say this. You and I like Brett Brown and like what he's about. I love his demeanor. I, I, appre- I appreciate Brett, Brown, Brett Brown's energy and like personality. I really do. Brett Brown has had two legitimate shots at having win- winning seasons. He's won 50 games back-to-back. Let him develop as a coach. Right. And all of a sudden, the, 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 flip, the switch just got flipped on him. Like It wasn't like, hey, all right, now it's time to win. It was like all of a sudden at the beginning of last year when they, people realized like they were good, they are like, all right, you got to win a title. You know? And it wasn't like they even got a chance to kind of learn how to win a title. So now this year three, is a, it's a, going to be a huge year for Brett Brown. It really is. A huge year, and I think it's, it's a critical year. And I can listen to the criticism if there is an advancement after this year. Uh, I don't know if like you're going to say he better win the finals or not, but I think get close to making the finals is a very realistic and important thing for Brett Brown as a coach but I think just like players right your third year is your typically the year that you see everything come together and this is not this is his third year don't give me when you give him shit to work with and to coach how I was surprised he won 10 games with the team he had so like Brett Brown's having his learning curves are happening and he's making advancements and you know, I, I, I'm excited for next year, and I think you're right. Roster construction, finding back legitimate backups, um, and what they do in terms of re-signing Jimmy Butler or re-signing Tobias Harris and all of that good stuff, that will contribute to that. Players win the games, let's be honest. So, um, But I think Brett Brown, big year next year, and I've got a lot of faith in him. I'm excited to watch, and hopefully Philly can stay patient.
All right, so that's that's kind of our thoughts on the NBA playoff, you know, coaching situations. Dwayne Casey, sorry, buddy, you know. Uh, Steve <laughs> Clifford, again, yeah, and just didn't really move the needle. Doc Rivers, I, I thought Doc Rivers did a great job with the Clippers. And, and like I said, if the Clippers were to add Kawhi yeah. or KD next year, instant title contender for me. Doc Rivers, tremendous. We know that. Pop is who he is. Took a team, took Denver to the brink with a, a team of just, you know, nobodies. I do think if you're looking for a, a fun futures bet, I would say that San Antonio total wins next year is going to be one I'd look to over. I think their backcourt with DeJounte Murray coming back is going to be hellacious defensively and Pop always figures out a way to do it. And then Mike Malone, I thought, did a pretty good job in Denver. I, I think they just weren't quite ready to win, like we said. So that is it for us. We appreciate you listening to this special little Friday episode. Smalls uh, tipped off that we actually recorded this on Wednesday night. So our apologies on, I believe Clay Thompson is playing, but we don't actually he's know out. that right now. It doesn't, that's, that's not true. It has not. They just talked yet. to his owner on ESPN. They're, they're saying that they don't want him to play as of right now. And I don't take, we don't take anybody. We don't take any Clay Tom, or any ESPN stuff as gospel. Those guys are morons. Oh, my God, it just happened. Smalls is right. Live breaking news, no Clay Thompson. Well, they talked to the owner like 20 minutes at like 7.20 at Stephen A. By the way, Stephen A. Smith, bad journalism moves. He just kept asking, could you talk about that? And I kept saying, Stephen, that was the first five episodes of Smalls. Free free invite for Stephen A. Smith to come on the show and defend some of the stuff that he's done lately with the Magic Johnson stuff. But I don't even <laughs> want to get into that. We're not journalists. We... You know, you're more of a basketball coach than I am. You've actually been on the sidelines recently. I'm, I'm just a guy who sits on his couch and, oh, and talks about sports. Here we go. Sports. Here but we go. As always, he is at ChrisAngelos88 on Twitter. I'm at CYS Tyler. Check out my other show, Underdog Sports NBA show, with me and Zandrick Ellison, super smart guy from over in California who uh, knows way more about basketball than either one of us. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Got a bunch of stuff scheduled for the next couple of weeks. Smalls, I got two weddings coming up too, so you know how I like to go to weddings. But uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Create Your Shot, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Reach out to us. Say you want to come on the show. Send us recommendations, all that good stuff. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday. And as always, I appreciate everybody who listens, and I know Smalls does too. <laughs>